Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, there is, and good morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, for this time, this season. We thank you that you are the Lord God. And Lord God, we come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy, even at this time, to request help and that aid in the days that we, we live in, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of your love and truth, even as we ponder, meditate upon the story of your arrival on this planet the first time, your intentions your preparations, the people who were involved, how you led by your Holy Spirit the orchestration of this great mystery, this great miracle, this great intervention. And Lord God, I pray that you today would encourage people to be still and know that you are God and to be not afraid, even as the shepherds were cautioned by the angels, and that you would give us uh, an encouragement in our life situation today to know that there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper because you, Lord God, are the one who's given us promises to protect us. And so protect us this day, and, and even in our minds and our hearts. Father God, I pray that you would guide and direct our, our discussion, our conversation, uh, open up understanding, connect dots, make it valid. And um, for those who are wavering and call caught up in the religious circumstances or in the traditional or the commercial circumstances of Christmas, let us be brought into the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. May your birth be clarified this day. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome back to the show. I hear you've been doing some homework. Well, yes, I'm I'm pretty much doing homework every day. All the time. One kind or another. <laughs> Work around the home. You know, honey, we've been talking a lot about the kind of like leading into, leading up to, discovering, exploring the circumstances, the events uh, that surrounded the birth of Christ um, God's intervention in human affairs, starting with uh, Zechariah back in the in the temple when he was struck dumb, and God, the angel told him that he would they'd bring forth a son, John, after he'd been they'd been barren for all their lives and they were old, and how this sort of started sort of started the ball rolling after like 400 years of silence, and so we're going to go looking today in more detail at the country side of Nazareth. Israel, Judea, that people group, and um, some of their thoughts, some of the people who had held to the promises of the Messiah for many years. And I know that last time, I just to recap a bit, we had talked about Joseph and Mary, and um, I think I find it very strange that, you know, obviously we all know that when they were betrothed, it was the same as if they were married. And um, then, of course, for the angel to make the announcement to Mary that she would conceive and, and bring birth uh, a son, um, and pay, they must have already been betrothed because otherwise Joseph wouldn't have had the privilege of putting her away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is like, you know, this could be a deal breaker actually for an engagement. And it could also worse than that for a young woman who's found, you know, with child by someone who's not the one who she's betrothed to. And before the time of their actual marriage, uh, could have be stoned, put mm-hmm. to death. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and so God, you know, spoke to, um, Joseph in a dream, 
He said, don't be afraid to take Mary to your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that mm-hmm. it's like, he's he's probably saying, uh, what what's this? Conceived, that which is conceived <laughs> of to her me. is of the Holy Spirit. This was this was news. This is this, and is, maybe this she, is unprecedented. Yeah, but maybe she had tried to tell him this. Of course, if he didn't know her very well, he probably thought she was just losing it or making up stories. But it says in Matthew chapter two, verse nineteen. Um, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public her public a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So he had the privilege to take action here as she was found to be with child. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the, the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to him. God spoke to him, mm-hmm. appeared to him in a dream, said, mm-hmm. uh, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is okay. This is my doing. Um, and verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, uh, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so... So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, but this was prophesied, you know, way before this, probably about a thousand years yeah, before. Isaiah. Through Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Behold, verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1, The virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Uh, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, did not have sexual relations with her at all until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, here's a man that has to, he has to believe a pretty a pretty wild story, <laughs> that, that a pretty wild explanation, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but he sensed it was from God. And it says he was a a, a just, just man, mm-hmm. and he was a, a, a good godly man. I, I, we think of him as kind of a, a soft spoken guy, but just a godly, steady, stable Solid. guy. Solid. Solid that would would be a husband to Mary, and and even though there was there was we find out we mentioned last time there was some um, scuttlebutt going around oh, that sure. she had become. Jesus was uh, an illegitimate child. Right. Uh, even during his earthly ministry, mm-hmm. he was accused of that. So, so Satan likes to take rumors and and run well, them through. Well, it's amazing but... how that through this Christmas story, as we now know it, the birth of Jesus, how that the enemy took advantage of to create controversy, to create confusion, uh, opinions, to create um, uh, you know gossip. I think all that was surrounding, you know, the enemy here. Whenever God is doing something of great significance, uh, the enemy will try to cloud it up with, like you said, scuttlebutt or controversy or gossip or contention or other opinions. And so basically everything, including, and this is not anything different, for Jesus' second coming, which we're all looking for now, um, and probably very in the very near future, maybe within our lifetime, there's the, there's the the naysaying, the scoffing, you know, the people who don't believe, the people who've lost heart to believe and think it's now ridiculous, and they've gone into the world, they've gone into worldliness or, you know, demonic explanations for the existence of everything, including you know the great the Big Bang and the evolution, yeah, aliens and all that stuff. You know, they, they, because Satan cannot allow something so huge 
as the, the coming of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer. He cannot allow an event like this to go unchallenged. Mm-hmm. He has to come up with some alternative stories. And that's what we were talking about last week, about all the alternative myths and, and, and silly things that Satan has done to scatter and disperse the true meaning of Christmas, uh, to lose it actually among the holodazzles of, you know, Right, uh, yeah, Santa Claus traditions and, the gifts and, and the, all the consumerism yeah. that's associated with it, just to, you know, yeah. to, in a sense, bury, bury or, or, yeah. or clutter the coming of Christ. Well, it's hard to all find. With traditions, myths, and faiths. Right. It's hard to keep it simple. It's hard to keep it um, straight and to know what's really going on. And I think for those who are caught up in the hustle and the hassle and the frustration and the hurt and the pain and who's not coming and who's boycotting the Christmas dinner and whatever's going on, you know, we get so emotionally involved or that we don't want to be involved, that we pull back, that we refuse to celebrate, whatever, whatever. But the thing is, if you can go back into the place of the Bible and just look at it as a simple, awesome miracle. And as we're talking about these various ones, we see that, you know, Joseph made the decision to believe Mary and to believe God and to step into his position called to be her protector, defender on earth. And so then they just then then the circumstances commanded that they would go to Bethlehem. That was given by Caesar, who had not, no idea the timing of what was going on. No, none. I mean, he had no idea he was, he was fulfilling biblical prophecy. What, what I what I want to say about this whole the whole uh, plan of God as it's unfolded, excuse me, as it's unfolded in the scriptures, it is a it is a detailed, marvelous, miraculous panorama covers the centuries, all the centuries that there's been life on earth. Mm-hmm. And it co- and it goes back, if we can say back into eternity, mm-hmm. it goes into the eternal plan of God. It goes into the promise made to Eve in the garden. The promises of God, the promises of God. And, and the more we study the whole even surrounding the birth of Christ, and as you, as we'll discover and mm-hmm. talk about in, in in this program today, the amazing details that there's no way I mean human way that things the ordering could of be events predicted mm-hmm. and ordered in detail over centuries, working through mm-hmm. political systems. Mm-hmm. The rise and fall of, of kings, good kings, mostly corrupt kings, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of historical events. Yet God, through, he has this thread, mm-hmm. it's called the thread of redemption, mm-hmm. that runs through the whole thing. And we see specific details of this right here in this uh, time of mm-hmm. Christ's birth. And But it's amazing that even as we see incredible details, there's a lot of obscurity about the normal everyday lives of Mary, Joseph, you know, the shepherds. We can gather it from general information of the, t- the culture and the time. But we cannot really, you know, n- we don't know hardly anything about Joseph or Mary other than what we're told here. And so the scanty details of the actual lives of the people um, is part of, I believe, God's deliberate obscuring mm-hmm. to, to keep us focused not on the making them the focus of the center of worship or, or focus of everything, but on Christ himself. But the thing is, as you can, as you've alluded to, Jerry, when you see 
um, how God has orchestrated all this, how he's put it all together, how he's involved, you know, the heathens, Caesar, uh, the taxation, uh, and all this, and the detail. As you look at this, you get to learn and see a little bit more about God himself. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really want to understand and see is, is how God works in circumstances, in difficulties, in times of great oppression. This was a time of great oppression. The Roman rule was oppressive. I mean, uh, they were scouring the countryside. They were trying to keep these Jews in line. It was a persecuted people. Time of greatest oppression. We see how God just simply goes in there quietly. I mean, in the midst of a massacre of innocents, in the midst of you know, swords clashing and Herod freaking out with his paranoia, God just simply goes in there and does what he's going to do and gets it done and rescues, delivers, directs as people are led. And I think this is the, we're seeing more about God here, the details of God's being, personality, than we are of the actual people involved. But so. Well, yeah, and, and you see the, you know, we're looking today at some of the people that God was speaking to and working through in mm-hmm. this in this mm-hmm. whole situation. Yeah, so, it's amazing. Well, just, and even the topography of the landscape, the fact that they were lived in Nazareth, which I think is very significant because just speaking about that little town a minute, um, it was about 90 or 100 miles from actually where they ended up in Bethlehem. So they had to walk, travel, walk and ride a donkey for 100 miles. She's, you know, eight and a half, eight and three quarters, eight and nine tenths months pregnant, yeah. Yeah. Uh, riding on a donkey. No wonder she got to the end of her road and she was ready to give birth. Um, but the thing is, you know, Nazareth is oh is is a is a commercial center. It was it had lots of roads going through it. It had it was a little different than Ju- Judea. It was more uh, open to the world. It was more not more bad not not in a negative way, but it was just more uh, in touch with what was going on because of the, the merchant uh, caravans and things. And also Nazareth what overlooked at its doorstep. This is interesting. If if, uh, if a city, uh, it was in Galilee, but at its doorstep is the Valley of Jezreel, which is the va- Valley of Megiddo, which is the valley where the end time battle is going to happen. So at the very doorstep where Jesus was was raised, we have the very slaughter, slaughtering, the killing fields that would be used by the enemy to try to destroy and annihilate um, the purposes of God once and for all. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. That Jesus was born and, and st- st- set his claim to the earth is right there and, and then went to, to Bethlehem to actually be born, as the scriptures had foretold. And there were a lot of people that, you know, had disregard for the town of Nazareth because, you know, oh, yeah. they weren't. Jesus came, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yeah, or Galilee. So, so yeah. it was like uh, some of the southern people. They were the more the rough hewn. The rough, more, more rough hewn. Uneducated. Town. It's like, well, yeah. You know, we have certain towns that have you know, bad cities reputations. in the United States <laughs> that have kind of bad reputations. And so evidently there was some kind of a not a good reputation mm-hmm. for the town in general. But then this is where God is 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 working. This is where mm-hmm. uh, Mary and Joseph were were from. Mm-hmm. And, and they were both. They came back there uh, to mm-hmm. live, and where Jesus was was raised in in that environment. So it was not a, you know, um, a goody two shoes environment mm-hmm. uh, for Jesus to grow up. It wasn't a town of prophets and and uh, you know hermits and monks and seekers. It was a, it was a busy town, 
of lots of um, things that were going on. So when they had to make these choices, they were living in their real modern world. They were modern at the time. That was the modern world at the time. And just think about your modern world. How would it be if the angel would appear to you and have some big assignment for you? And how would you handle it? I mean, our our big assignments, I believe, are given to us through the Holy Spirit now who lives within us. But go ahead, honey. You've done some looking at who did what and where. We talked about Joseph and Mary. They made the journey on the donkey. Um, yeah, the, the, actually, if you want to get a kind of a nice look, a, a video that works well, I think the story of the nativity um, it came out a couple of years ago in, in the theaters, and it's probably available on video. The Nativity would be a good place to get a fairly good look at what was the the, the climate of the day and what was going on there well, and how it, it, it how, really, how it could have been. Right. It really, um, you know, Joseph and Mary, one of the things that stands out to me, Marjorie, in that, that movie, it, it, it depicts how... Joseph and Mary just, you know, didn't have it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not just a cakewalk. They were poor. They they were poor. They mm-hmm. struggled. They were they were ended up being you know refugees uh, for a while, um, fleeing the, the wrath of Herod and so forth. But uh, yeah, so that might be a good uh, one just to to kind of check out to maybe show you a little bit of uh, uh, of the heart of of Mary and Joseph. This. But, yeah, so they uh, went about a three days journey, at least three days. Oh well, yeah, that's, that's that's a long way, you know, like ninety miles. Yeah, Th- yeah thirty miles it's a day. A ways, and it's not you know just easy. Easy. There were probably super highways. They were probably with a group of others that mm-hmm. were, were going to attack. So they weren't alone because it was really dangerous to travel alone mm-hmm. in that t- time because of you know a lot of robbers mm-hmm. were around and so forth. So. They probably came with some type of a uh, a, a caravan um, to uh, for the census and so forth. So, um, so and then we we get into the 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 birth of of, of Jesus and of course the mm-hmm. the, the shepherds uh, were the 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 greatest announcement ever made. I mean, the announcement of the Savior because there was an announcement to Mary. Mm-hmm. There was the announcement to Joseph. Yeah. Uh, and Elizabeth and Zacharias mm-hmm. knew that, um, that there were, yeah. the Messiah was coming. Yeah. Was coming through Mary. Right. So this is this is more, you know, a private. And then there was a, mm-hmm. a, a another announcement that was made by the angel. Mm-hmm. Now the angel uh, did not announce to the power brokers in Jerusalem. The announcement was not made to the Herods, the evil kings, the political... The royal house. To the Sadducees, the Pharisees. Those who uh, searched the scriptures. To the high priests. Mm -hmm. You'd think, well, my... uh, uh, You'd think God would tell the religious elite, wouldn't you, that they would be the first to know so they they could... They would be the first to know. You tell the power (laughs) brokers, and then it trickles down to the common people and the grassroots that yeah. sort of thing but but what god, god does, does is backwards the uh, angel the angel of the lord um uh, stands before them we know the story the glory of the lord shone about them and these the shepherds the shepherds were afraid now why in the world would god make this great announcement to so shepherds the, because i i because he's god and because he does not do anything according to convention 
and kosher and the way we think he should do things. That's yeah. why you have a hard time with God, because he's always coming out of the box that we put him in, he, jumping out, doing he's it jumping way different. out. Remember one of our, our dear old mentors years ago, or disciple makers, friend, leader in the Lord, uh, influenced us as young believers. He said, don't try to put God in a box because he's always ju- he'll always jump out. Well, he does. He, he Here's another perfect example. And, you know, it surprised everybody. Shepherds were surprised. Mm-hmm. The only ones that weren't surprised, isn't this, I mean, I'm jumping ahead just a tad, but those who were not at all surprised about Jesus' coming were not, you know, look who was surprised. Those who had the scriptures, those who searched the scriptures, Herod was surprised. Um, the shepherds were surprised. But the wise men were not surprised. Isn't that amazing? They had full, absolute confidence, and we'll get to them in a minute. But they were not surprised. Isn't that amazing? They're the, they're the Gentiles. They're the heathen, and they were not surprised. So here we have God again, surprising, surprisingly um, uh, moving in his own way. Yeah, so. and, then, and then the religious people were constantly challenging Jesus doing his ministry. That they, right. you know, it wasn't a surprise to them. To me, it was a, a challenge. Yeah. They figured this could not be. Right. The people the that should yeah. know best knew least. Yeah, that's anyway, right. so the shepherds, now, again, why this great announcement to the shepherds? Well, the shepherds had been in very high esteem among God's people. Because remember Abraham, oh sure, and Moses, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Isaac, Jacob, all those guys. They were shepherds. Right. That was kind of their nature. But at the time of Jesus, the shepherds were kind of in more disregard. Disregard. They were just like common people. They would be kind of like um, uh, caretakers, common laborers, or uh, cattlemen. Housekeeping people, mm-hmm. you know. It, I mean, it's not despised, but it was like just very low key, common, low. very low key. Uh, they uh, they slept on the ground. They uh, they were at this time of the year, which is could have been. It probably was maybe fall. It uh, could have been September, October, something like that time of the year. And uh, in, in, in there was a rainy season that supposedly started at that time. And so they were sleeping outdoors, sleeping on the ground at this season of the year, just watching their sheep. The shepherds as a whole uh-huh. did not have a very good reputation. Some mm-hmm. of them were kind of, you know, it's just like a good cop, bad cop type mm-hmm. of thing. There were some good shepherds, and then there were shepherds that were not. Some of them had a reputation of just because they would kind of, you know, roam through the countryside in a nomadic sense, and they would be kind of light-fingered. They would steal things, some mm-hmm. of them, not, mm-hmm. not necessarily these guys. Mm-hmm. These guys uh, were probably uh, very likely they could be because of their proximity near Bethlehem, proximity to Jerusalem. Very likely they were uh, keepers of the sheep that were used for sacrifices in mm-hmm. the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, they were um, they raised those sheep, and then uh, Jesus. Why would he? Well, Jesus is always depicted as you know the good yeah. shepherd, mm-hmm. That's and, true. and 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 uh, the leaders of Israel in Old Testament leaders were considered the shepherds of mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. Of if the flocks at, of God, yeah. right over the flock of God, and um, so there were Ezekiel thirty-four, I believe it is, talks about, and in Jeremiah too, mm-hmm. God addresses the shepherds that of Israel. 
They said, you have fed yourselves, you've not fed the flocks, you've Mm -hmm. abused them, you've driven them away. Mm -hmm. And so here God is announcing to shepherds about the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And these shepherds understood some things about what Jesus would do. And talked about because they understood sheep. They They really did. They understood sheep. And the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone gone astray. astray. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so... uh, and but the their good. lives had to be pretty miserable at that moment when you're thinking about it. It's cold, it's the fall, it's rainy, got no shelter, out there sleeping on the ground. It could be wet, miserable, could be hungry. The sheep are, you know, kind of finally settling down for that. Could life get any more uncomfortable, any more miserable, any more full of um, uh, negativity? And, and maybe your life is in the same spot. But you know what? There was about to be something breakthrough in their break forth in their lives that would change them forever on this planet. And that's maybe where you are today. But go ahead, honey. Let's let's pray right now for those that are listening to this right now, mm-hmm. that they're in a very, like the shepherds, they were in a... Unbelieving they, they doubt, discounted, not downtrodden. important politically, economically, personally. Broke. Broke, working hard, same old thing, routine every day. Hopelessness. Maybe maybe hopelessness, even though if these were noble shepherds, they were, you know... Oppressed. They were oppressed, mm-hmm. uh, even if they were, uh, in fact, raising lambs. And they never sacrifices. saw themselves as any hope or possibility of ever being favored or believed or lifted out of their place of shame, basically. Well, and in, in, in we're told, uh, historians tell us, that shepherds were considered... Uh, Incredible in the sense, not in believable the, in the sense that they were not allowed to testify in a court of law. Because Isn't that they, amazing? Yeah. And so God cre- calls the first witnesses for His testi- to testify of His Son's birth and legitimacy to be unbelievable, incredible. You know, witnesses that would not even qualify to be testifiers. Yeah. But let's pray for those right now, Lord. I just pray for those that are listening to us today that are in a very maybe monotonous, miserable, oppressive situation in their life with their family, with their work or no work or financially, whatever it is yeah. that's going on right now, Lord. You see their hearts. You see their hearts, Lord God, and you want to reveal themse- yourself to them. You want to do something great and mighty in them. And I pray that the reality of Jesus the good news mm-hmm. of Jesus Peace. and his plan and his purpose, not only for the whole world, but as part of the whole world, this this one that's listening right now, mm-hmm. that there would be a breakthrough of your glory and your power and, and Lord and your purpose Peace. that would be fulfilled through them, that they would not see themselves as, as shamed or shameful, but they would say themselves as loved by you, and 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 mm-hmm. involved in your purposes in a powerful, powerful way that you have. They, may they see that you have not forgotten them, mm-hmm. and you do not despise them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. may they continue to be faithful. May we continue, Lord, as the shepherds, to just man the position you've given us. Stay in that place, being mm-hmm. faithful in that which is least or little or nothing at all, until you reveal your true intentions, because you are the King. And thank you, Lord, for the shepherds shepherds being faithful. Thank you for this very cool part of the story that gives hope to the rest of us. And there's something you mentioned about being faithful. Um, And we'll talk about this a little more later, Lord willing, uh, that being faithful gives you 
opportunities. Mm-hmm. Bible says, God. if you're faithful in that which is least, first of all, then he, you're you're trained up in that. Then God will promote us to the more um, hefty assignments, if you will. Yeah, and and one of the things about shepherds is that they would do crazy things. They would risk their lives to save one of their sheep. Ooh. They had to keep account of each sheep in the mm-hmm. fold. They had to, you know, we read about the 90 and 9. Yeah. And there was 100 sheep and one was missing, Jesus mm-hmm. told. Mm-hmm. And the shepherd, and, and this is this is right, the story. And people could relate to this. Yeah, the, she- the shepherd was accountable for those sheep. Right. And if there was one missing, he had to go or he had, they had, well, there was it, or a lot of, had to take it out of his wages or he would there was a lot of predators. punishment or yeah. he'd lose his job. Well, we even know from the story of David that he had to kill a lion and a bear just to keep the sheep. And he was a little kind of a young guy at the time. And, you know, so the sheep, I, that makes me think of something. If God values, you know, like the shepherd valued his sheep, God values us his little sheep, and when one of us is going astray, the Lord God leaves the 99 that don't need attention right now to go after the one that's being devoured or or isolated or removed, uh, estranged. And so I think here God was saying to the shepherds, basically, good job, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing it right. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm, I want. I want to make known to the world. This is what I, the good shepherd, will do as well for the people, but you're doing it for the sheep. So good job, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it was really a, a, a parable, a revelation yeah. of of what of who Jesus is, who this yeah. Messiah would be, and who, who God this is. Savior would be, and they, and God is watching. They could understand about going going to all lengths to risk to, sa- their lives. to rescue mm-hmm. a sheep, and and so to love not so their the, lives into the death so because the yeah, Savior. They knew something about. In a sense, these shepherds were saviors. They were. In the yeah. sense. They were putting they themselves in harm's way to, to save deliver. their sheep. And that's mm-hmm. exactly who well, Jesus I, is. And who that's awesome that God chose shepherds and not merchants and not, um, you know, whatever. Um, he, he chose the ones who were close to his heart and were doing what he was going to be doing. So it's a story really not just about shepherds. It's it's really it's a manifestation of God's heart grace. Like you said earlier, Marjorie, as we look at these we call them the characters of Christmas or those surrounding the birth of Jesus, these most interesting, fascinating people. Mm-hmm. It, it, it shows the heart of God. It shows the wisdom of God. It shows the grace Character. of God mm-hmm. and the unpredictability of God. God is God predicted through the prophets exactly how things are going to be. Mm-hmm. He's done that from the beginning mm-hmm. to the end. But you and know they he, will be fulfilled in their time in but he detail. Ri- he he's writes, predict he's yeah. predicted all this stuff at the same time the way he does it the way he moves his timing is unpredictable. And we'll see as we Well, we look actually on here actually, there's, there's perfect timing. He writes the prophetic words in rhythms, I mean uh, riddles and mysteries. For example, he said that his son would come up out of Egypt. We see that that's true. He'd be born in Bethlehem. And what was the third one? He'd be a Nazarene. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how so, could he be all these things? Where, where, where did this guy really come from? Well, only Jesus basically fulfilled all three of these prophetic words as evidence, as uh, yeah, evidence to and verify his legitimacy. People just looking at that wouldn't know how to figure it out. Like, how could that be? I mean, where's he from? He's from three different places. Mm-hmm. How can that be? 
Well, that's where they couldn't figure it out. So it looks like God, God, I think, particularly deliberately cloaks his, his actions in mystery and so that they can only be decoded by the Holy Spirit and the revelation of God as he gives it to us through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so what was the word that the angel said to the shepherds? I kind of really, really love those words. Um, well, he said, he said uh, the angel of the Lord stood before them, uh, Luke two, chapter 2, verse 9. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And then, you know, we know the rest of it. I think suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So what's interesting, mm-hmm. he talks about good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Mm-hmm. And then he emphasizes, for there is born not to them, but to you this day mm-hmm. in the city of Gaiman. All people includes you. So we right. look at the the general scope, the vast scope mm-hmm. of God's saving work, and then we look at the specific mm-hmm. uh, focus of that, which is on individuals, and even individuals from the highest mm-hmm. to the lowest that uh, God and, 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 and if an, And if it wasn't enough that these guys saw this angel, then they saw the whole sky full of angels, as if that wasn't enough to convince them that this was something, and they all saw it, not just one of them. Um, and they were awake, too. Yeah, well, they, they were. In, they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. So, so it wasn't were, like they were in a dream. They or weren't they in a dream or a trance or anything. Right. So he, God gives them this sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, that's a sign because most babies wrapped in swaddling clothes that are born in those days, although they didn't have hospitals, I'm sure they had home births, they didn't usually lay them in a manger. They would have laid him in some sort of, you know, snuggly, warm blanket in the house, in the best place in the house, the warmest place, whatever. So this little baby, you'd find, what's the chances in the middle of the night here tonight, guys, that we're going to go out there and find a baby in a manger, uh, just born, wrapped in swaddling clothes? Uh, well, if we find that baby, then then these angels are telling us the truth. So they had the double confirmation in the word, and then they also had uh, the sign that they would find. Um, and God sometimes does that. He gives us a sign to confirm his word. Mm-hmm. And this he did. But they had to get up and go look for the sign. They didn't. Well, you know, that was nice. What, what do you guys think? Well, I think we ate too much, you know, beans in our chili tonight. And I think we need to go back to sleep. They really were Im- uh, motivated to go. So they get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I suppose and they appoint and... a few to stay with the sheep and the rest decide they're going to go look for this sheep. Yeah, this and little lamb, this, the this Lamb of God. Lamb <laughs> We're gonna go of find God, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the yeah. sin of the world. Now, I'm not sure how many um, stables there were in in Bethlehem. Yeah, Bethlehem was not a very big place, but it was swarming with people that night. Yeah, I mean it was just overloaded. It's like sometimes you know, like a small town in Minnesota when they have a craft fair or something. Yeah. The town gets overwhelmed with crowds of people. Well, and Jerusalem would do that too from time to time at the feast, of course. The feast, yeah. But here's Bethlehem. You know? Yeah. So this was. Uh, 
And this wasn't no. the time of a feast necessarily. This was no. the time of a an order from Caesar to go and be taxed. So everybody had to go register. So all the those who were of this of the lineage of David basically went to the royal town of of David, which was Bethlehem, to mm-hmm. be to be um, re-registered so that they could be given their address and their zip. So the shepherds were the ones who probably knew where the stables were. They probably did, yeah. Because like. Uh, uh, well, the, yeah, sure the, they the high priest probably wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Herod wouldn't know. Yeah, for you sure. Know, in this little, you you know who the little, what's the little, the little corner place in this little town, you know, like the the, the president or the governor of Minnesota, maybe the president of the United States, you know, some little out of the way place, some little out of the way place in a little out of the way place, you don't know it. Mm-hmm. These guys knew. Sure. They probably knew about where to look. For sure. There was maybe, I don't know if there was more than one little like stable. hotel mm-hmm. or stable there, but they, they they knew where to look. Maybe they went to a couple of them before they found the, the right one. I, I don't know. Could have but, but usually shepherds know. It um, says, but they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So they came with haste. They were still in that motivation of hurry up and go find him. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. So they not only found him, but God didn't say to keep it quiet either. So they went and broadcasted it. And, of course, if people were willing to believe it. But I'm sure that Satan tried to obliterate or drowned out this message, which he was soon to do. He was soon to do with the um, the fact that the wise men were about to show up. And I think this is where things get really intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, the quiet, silent night, holy night, everything's cool, everything's good. Nobody's trying to kill anybody. Good news, peace on earth. Yay, it's there. And by the way, just backing up to that verse for a second, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That's what the Bible says. In some uh, churches, um, traditional churches, they twist those words around just enough to give you the counterfeit gospel, they say peace um, to men of goodwill, which implies that you only get peace if you're being good, which is to some extent true because being righteous and walking God's righteousness gives us peace. But here they're implying that if you do lots of good works and follow the church rules, then you're going to have peace. But that's peace to men of goodwill. That's not what God said. God said peace, goodwill towards men. He didn't classify or categorize or qualify them. He just said, it's time for you guys to have some peace down there. It's been hell for you to live on this earth with the spiritual warfare going on for years. I've seen it. I see what you're going through. And here's some good news. Here's some peace. Good news. My son is here. He'll he'll bring you to salvation, deliverance, and healing if you will call upon him or accept the message. And that's basically all God asks us to do is accept the message of Jesus Christ Stop trying to work our way to heaven because that's not even how you're going to get there. Believe um, that he is the Messiah, the Savior. Call upon him. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, when you're calling upon God, you're uh, you're not doing it yourself. You're surrendering to the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, again, right here, right here at the core of God's message, Satan puts a jab. He puts a he puts a twist so now we've got to have peace to men of goodwill instead of peace, goodwill towards men. So go read it. This was a revelation to me many years ago. 
when I had been raised under the fir- the concept of uh, it's only peace to men of goodwill. So you have to be be good, behave, do it right before God will like you. Um, God loves us, and he sees why some of us are so screwed up and messed up. And it is the devil's ability to convince us that God doesn't love us, that God is mad at us, that we deserve the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation. That is the devil's best weapon to keep us separated from the love of God. And that's the message God wants to destroy because God is love. He's there for all of us. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's gracious. And he knows. He knows what's going on. He knows the war that's going on inside of you. He knows the spiritual world that is inside of each of us and how the devil has tried to set us up in turmoil and destruction through uh, attacking us within our own souls. But now we have the wise men. Before we get to the wise men there, I, you know, that, that statement on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That was really the, it's the most profound, powerful that was the banner ex- announcement. expression uh, from the heart of God. Uh, goodwill toward men. Not mad at them. Talk, yeah, even though we, you know, we've sinned horribly, really messed up our lives. God is. Why did? Yeah. It's a. It's the ultimate expression of good. God's goodwill toward us and forgiveness. In sending His Son for God so loved the, the world right. that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it was the extension of God's um, healing, God's deliverance, God's forgiveness. That we would, if we can get, grasp that and forgive ourselves and realize, and we must realize, if this does not make any sense, this sin, sinning constantly against the goodness of God, why would that? Why would we even do that if there wouldn't be a devil out there that's provoking and lying and twisting and and um, tempting us? You know, we we keep forgetting about this plot, this war, and if you don't realize that this this birth of Jesus Christ is is just absolute evidence everywhere of this being a war. Because now we have the, the, the wise men, and, and um, the wise men were from the east. Now, where were they from, honey? Do you know where they were from? Yeah. It was, it was, no, they weren't, when we're talking about the east, we're not talking about New York City or Boston. We're talking about east of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> so east of Israel was right. where? Yeah. Well, they came from, very likely, it was from uh, uh, Babylon. Oh. Uh, which would be another uh, enemy uh, empire. Iraq, Iran. Uh, right in that area, basically, which was kind of the, what's called the cradle of civilization, mm-hmm. right where probably the area where Adam and Eve, you know, the garden, the Garden of Eden was, and uh, they came there from the east. So how many miles is that? So let's let's read the. Can we read the story oh, here yeah. first, and then we'll get into it. Matthew chapter two. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and of the people together, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Yeah, that was found in that little obscure (laughs) prophetic book of Micah. 
yeah. chapter 5, verse 2. Mm-hmm. And so the scribes knew the, the, they were familiar with the scriptures and they knew this scripture, but I don't think anything, every, anybody ever believed anything would come out of Bethlehem because the rumor of the land of Judah, it was a small, insignificant. Um, and, and so they, it, it, just like the shepherds, Bethlehem was not a popular place. It was not a, a place to be from. It wasn't a place to be, you know, except the fact that it had been the place of, um, uh, the king of King David's David. home. Yeah. So, so you know, we see many times in the in the in the movies about the nativity and so forth, and even in the nativity they show this. Um, we see the 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 manger scenes mm-hmm. and all that, and you see the wise men coming about the same time as the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Well, that's simply not true. The wise right. men came later, and and some believe that it was you know between forty days. Uh, it was somehow between the time he was forty days old and two years old. Right, because yeah, that, be, well, so because was, how do we know that? Because um, they found him. What does it say? They found him in a house. They found him in not a in house. the shepherd, not in the stable. Right. And even even if he was several, just several weeks old, wouldn't Jesus have had to? I mean, they wanted to, of course, when a baby was eight days old, they would circumcise them, mm-hmm. and so they would have done that at the temple, which was in Jerusalem, which was a few miles away. So they're just scooting around under the nose of Herod, who maybe still doesn't know about this because. The Magi, the wise men, did not come on the on the day, the same moment, the same night that Jesus was born. Because if that would have happened, Herod would have known about it the next day, and Jesus would never have been able to hang around to get to, to take a rented house or live there or get get circumcised the eighth day. So he had to be at least a couple of weeks old and maybe a little older. We don't. It's I, that's a detail that God says that's not important to know. Just mm-hmm. know what I need to have you know right now. Mm-hmm. And so. Go ahead. Yeah, so they they came. Now, this was a, a journey. They came for many, many months. Oof, duh. It months. took many months. And, and a lot of times we think of... Did they ride uh, on camels? Well, we don't know that. They well, could have. And there were not three of them. Now, in the Catholic Church, they claim to have the names of the three wise men. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where they come up with that. But we don't have their names. They not were, in the Bible, they were, anyway. Came, they came from uh, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Or a country beyond Babylon. This is the land where the human race, as we said, had its origin. Yeah. The land of Abraham. The original land of Abraham. Yep. And the land of the Jewish captivity, where many Jews still lived. Okay. So when they were taken captive into Babylon, there was not everybody came back. Yeah. Some stayed there. Uh, these wise men belonged to the learned class. They were quite scholarly. Mm-hmm. They were advisors of kings. Mm-hmm. They were very likely familiar with, uh, these guys were familiar with the, some of the Jewish scriptures. They knew of the expectation, apparently, of a coming messianic king. Mm-hmm. It was the land where Daniel uh, yeah. lived That's when right. he was taken captive. And, and very, he was, he and was probably, over Persia. Probably they knew of Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy and and also these uh, magi uh, they were they were a, a priestly caste mm-hmm. uh we're told and they uh they would utter prophecies they would explain omens they That's would, just what Daniel they, did. They would interpret dreams. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they studied they must have studied Daniel. They well, knew as a matter of fact, I have Daniel. heard and I you know you you might be saying this in a second but I heard that they were, you know, if they were of Persia, Daniel was the chief, uh, you know, wise man in Persia. 
And he, he advised, I think it was three or four different kings that came, you know, and then even the, the kings that conquered the kings he served, he also worked in their cabinets. So so this could have been the teachings of Daniel and the influence of sure, Daniel, easily. who was brought there as a uh, a captive, a young right. man captive. The the influence of Daniel had gone through hundreds of years here. Right. So, so these prophets could have been of the school of Daniel. They could have been of, you know, at least they're doing the same type of work. And I'm sure you look back and you study, you look at the predecessors, you look at the great men in your field who've done this and invented that and come up with this and that. So I'm sure they did know about Daniel. And the other thing I heard was that what if, and I think there's been some speculation on this, what if Daniel, because he was never married, we don't think, he had a lot of money, obviously, because he was probably paid pretty well and Darius gave him half his kingdom and blah, 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 and he said, keep your money, da-da-da. But Daniel, what did he spend his money on? So what do you suppose he did? He might have founded the society of the wise men or the magi or the school of the uh, astrologers or whatever you want to call it. So his money, all that money that they've used to you know, keep this thing going, this school of, of you know, wisdom and whatever, they could have actually been bringing some of Daniel's uh, inheritance, Daniel's influence. money, Daniel's money through the gold, the treasure. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. It's at possible. least, at least there's a, there's an indirect connection between. And so, in some ways, if that would be true, Daniel's work in Persia, uh, you know, financed the the first two or three years of Jesus' life as he was in as he went to fly yeah, to Egypt. That's a possibility. Now here, now it could very well be because God does things like this. You know, right? The, the thing is, too, there was you remember in in Babylon. There, Babylon means confusion. There was there was a mixture of things. Right. You know there was the, the paganism, the what we call New Age. Now. Right. Astrology, was, stargazing, was, was, occult, New Age. New was age. Just old age. There was occultic things, elements connected with the wise men. So they may have, as we said, they may have had the knowledge of the Jewish scriptures from the influence of Daniel and so forth. But then at the same time, they, it could have been like a mixture of things. Because they could be involved well, in, they in did. divination, astrology, well, they were. that sort of thing. Because so, they looked at well. the stars. They, yeah. they they understood what they understood from the constellations, uh, the various stars that were moving and, and the so, so there's heavens a, that So there's a story told, told in the stars. There's astronomy and then there's astrology. And so there's, there's again, there's a perversion of things. God puts his signs in the heavens. That's what he did. The at stars the, were for signs. At, That's what at, he said at, way at in the, the beginning. At the same time, there are people that misinterpret those. You know, mm-hmm. just like everything God has gets twisted, mis- gets, can get twisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, now there were very likely, uh, there. this was not a small group of people. Because they've traveled like uh, probably a thousand miles. Mm. I mean, this is this yeah. is a lot. we think of a this thousand a, miles. Is... We fly that in about maybe what two Four. hours, mm-hmm. and, and then if we drive that, it might, it might take um, two days. Mm-hmm. But here, very likely, they travel in a in a caravan, mm-hmm. and and according to uh, one uh, Bible scholar uh, historian said, they very likely. There could have been an entourage of of scores or hundreds of people in mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. So no wonder and Jerusalem, their servants they and their show, they yeah. show up mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. Oofta. It says the uh, oh yeah, 
That's quite a stir in a little the, town the, of, of Jerusalem. Herod was well, troubled yeah. in all Jerusalem with him. So they're thinking, well, it had to be more who than three are guys these guys? <laughs> who are all these guys coming here from yeah. way out there, and what are they looking for? What do they want? This is, this is, this is a significant thing. This is almost, maybe it's almost like, uh, mm. not quite like the Pope coming into a town where right. everybody gets all... Yeah, you know, stirred well, up. Well, and Herod's so paranoid already. Who's the so you know. so anyway? Um, they um, so they uh, God really worked through them and used them. Now, of course, Herod. Well, you know, the thing is, let me talk about the journey for a second. Okay, I got. I just think think about this, guys. Okay, we got to kind of put ourselves into the shoes of these ordinary and and unusual as well people. Now, here they are. There's uh, maybe, let's just say there's 100 of them or 120 of them. And I'm sure they have all kinds of animals with them, animals to eat on the way. They have their camels. They have their donkeys. They have a few goats along. They have swords. I'm sure they have Oh, yeah, because they they have to travel very dangerous roads. So they're going to be well prepared. Now, just think about it. If the star appeared to the shepherds that night with the angels, let's just say, and it is actually, there's a cool video out if you want to watch that's called The Star of Bethlehem. They've done a lot of research, and now because we have the computers, we can push things back and coordinate things. And the, the prophecy of the of the the stars and the Regulus and Jupiter, and actually what the star that they saw was the converging of three different lights in the sky. I think Jupiter was one of them, Regulus and, and Virgo or something. Saturn. Hmm. I don't know about Saturn. But anyway, so these are all coming together, and at the same time, they're, over, they're, they're overlaying each other, so it, it brightens the what we see on earth. So when the shepherds saw um, the angels, probably at that same point, the birth signified these stars converging and the, the, the wise men were watching the sky. And they always watch the sky every day. They watch They were just watching because they watch the sky. That's the thing they do. You know, it's like the weather mm-hmm. forecasters, mm-hmm. whatever. So they saw this unusual like astronomers. Yeah. They saw this unusual convergence and they knew it meant something. They knew that this, because they knew that the stars were for signs, and they knew that the stars were telling them something. But they had, okay, so they saw the star at the same time, and, and, and the star stayed bright for a while. I mean, because obviously sometimes these things don't take past in 20 seconds. They're there for a few days or a, whatever as the orbits of things. So they were watching the star, and that got them up on their camels, got them gathered up their, packed their bags, got their entourage together. Now that undertaking wasn't a small deal because you had a pack for a lot of days and had your your food and (laughs) and so but here's the deal on the way as they were coming they were so absolutely convinced they had nothing but the star signs that they had read and that that the way they interpreted it they had nothing they had no apparitions from god that we know of. they had no dreams at that point they had nothing to motivate them to come their conviction their commitment to follow this thing through. I wonder how many of them thought this, you know, people who watched them were maybe on the caravan. This is stupid. We're wasting our time. What are we doing? We're going to go see the king. What's the, you know, I mean, is there a king? Is this really, are we, do we got this right? But they kept committed to the faith, the, their, their courage, their faith to believe that what they saw was right. And they had more faith, I mean, to follow Gentiles, unbelievers, Unexposed to the pro- I know. These were, Unex- these were magicians. These were men whose occupation was forbidden in Israel. 
they could, you know, the the uh, the soothsayers, the astrologers, those kind of people were to be put put to death in Israel. So these guys were from Persia. They hadn't been put to death. They had baby, probably been trained under Daniel's, uh, you know, information and 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 heritage and tradition. They come, and they must have been some sort of secretly believing in the prophecies of Daniel and the word of Daniel, the word that there would be a redeemer, a messiah. They must have known something that caused them to go beyond just a secular, um, this is an interesting, curious thing, and we're scientists, and we want to go see what this phenomenon is. And so, But they had a, a spiritual connection made with this star. It wasn't just, this is a spiritual, this is a scientific phenomenon, we're going to go investigate it like a new planet on, on the horizon or something. We're going to send a rocket out there. To see this. There was a spiritual connection that was made in their heart that caused them to bring, they bring, they brought weird things. They brought gold. That's not so weird. But frankincense and myrrh. Do you know about what, what is frankincense? Well, frankincense is basically, you know, it, it, it's it's made out of both frankincense and myrrh are made out of the, uh, it's like the gum. It's like a, like pine tar. Mm-hmm. It's out of like a, a something that uh, in, in the East and in East Africa, it's kind of in the balsam family. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a, a tar that's used for incense. And then myrrh, too, is used for healing. And I know frankincense can be as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as a medicinal right. we know, uh, we know We have the essential oils, frankincense. Essential oils. Essential oils. That, so, uh, yeah. But they, this was a uh, really treasured commodity back in those days. It wasn't like um, yeah, it was, it was like, some junk you know, that like they brought. Very, it's like very expensive perfume or, mm-hmm. yeah. or cologne. And, but, or else... And, and it would have uh, connotations you know, maybe, uh, of royalty. I know that it? frankincense and myrrh have these medicinal qualities as well, mm-hmm. besides well, incense as, as offering. And didn't they use myrrh to uh, embalm people when they buried mm-hmm. them? Yep. So they yep. were coming with a prophetic. They had the it gold. Was pro- their, goal, their gifts were, were prophetic. prophetic. Yeah, they were prophetic because the gold they was, was going to be immediately of use to Mary and Joseph to flee with the child to get him out of harm's way, to take him to Egypt. And they, of course, had to have some livelihood or something to live on down there. So I'm sure that they did that. And then they, he probably did some carpentering on the side as well, of course. But um, So that got them out of town. Then the, the myrrh was significant of the burial of this great king. Where they, they probably didn't understand all this. but And the frankincense was for healing. And and I think incense royalty you you somebody for worship actually the incense mm-hmm. was a form of worship worship you know prayer. they put incense mm-hmm. on the, um, the 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 table of incense the altar of incense in the temple mm-hmm. and this was a new from a new place it was incense but it was to worship the king and so these prophetic gifts they just were well thought out very appropriate for the you know when you buy a gift. You bring a gift for something. The, the more appropriate it is, the more you know the person, the more appropriately the gift can be, and and more specific, and more uh, you know their favorite color, you know what they're, you know what they, you know would appreciate. These guys prophetically nailed Jesus to a T. They knew exactly what he, the best gifts they could bring, and um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, even though they maybe didn't recognize him as the Holy Spirit. But they they come they come to Herod and they ask the question. They said. You know, hey Herod, how you doing? How's it going? We've been traveling a long time. It's like, um, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For this, these, this, we think of, we almost run by that statement. Mm-hmm. Where is he who has been born King they of assumed. the Jews? Mm-hmm. 
for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, they were able to go. You could tell these were people of influence. These were not just So Herod didn't kick him out of the palace. You know, you just don't go walking into the White House. Yeah. But these guys, in a sense, just kind of got audience right with the king. Well, I suppose their entourage. Yeah, the entourage, yeah. They probably brought him a few So we have seen his stars, and we've come to worship him. And Herod puts on his fake face, and and he he gets all excited because he's hiding his paranoia and his his murderous heart. Yeah. And he says, oh, you know, you go find him and and bring me word so I can worship him too. What a liar. Mm -hmm. What a lying snake Mm -hmm. he was. Yeah, exactly. And and they maybe for wise men, uh, they had maybe some, maybe they got caught at the the drift of what was going on in their hearts that this was a lie, that this was a treacherous, that was a trap. Maybe they did, and but but it was confirmed to them when um, you know they found the the child after they left that town. They saw the star again. It says, um, and they were rejoiced when they saw the star. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So the star reappeared. Outside of Jerusalem. So they figured, they figured, um, that, you know, he said, when did you see the star? And it, it probably was about, they first saw it about two years before they got there. Well, Very they, they saw it a while. Now, now was the star, is interesting. This, I just thought of this so you can, you know, and I know her. Anyway, they saw the star, the convergence of the three stars, the bright light that they call the star. And they followed it for maybe two years. Um Maybe not. Maybe it was two, three months. We don't know. But um, Herod, just to be safe, I think he, that's why he killed everybody. That's part of it. That's um, maybe where we get the two years. Yeah, we get he, the two years from the fact that Herod. So he was, goes. He, he go, didn't know how long this. Had he been wants there. to make sure these Herods. Do we have time to talk about Herods? Well, today just, or, uh, just maybe. But I just want to say that you know he um, Herod. He was just checking it, make sure he. Because I don't think he asked them when they first saw the star. They just said, we saw the star. But you notice, if the star was a convergence of three planets, or stars and planets, or whatever you want to call it, those, those mo- motions and movements in the sky, don't, they're not sedentary. Those planets and things keep moving. Mm-hmm. So there's a momentary convergence. So if they saw the star again, let's just say the star first appeared, I can't, I can't go with two years myself. I have uh, to go with more like two, three months. Yeah, but anyway, let's just say that the stars had moved on. The Jupiter, uh, I'm sorry, planets. Yeah. Jupiter means Rex, planet Rex, king, Roman word Rex, king. So let's just say this star reappeared. Now, maybe this second star they saw, which they thought was the star they'd been following, was actually a deliberate revelation from God that, that showed them where Bethlehem was. Because how does a star point you to a house? I mean, I, I can look up in the sky and I can see Orion and I can see various things, but nothing is pointing so specifically to a house or a, a road or a location. So I, I don't know how that worked. Well, see, this is why some Bible scholars let me, uh, would say that it was a supernatural star. It would, well, it I was, think at this point it was. It wasn't just a conjunction. Well, right. It, it could have been a conjunction in the beginning. It, it was a unique uh, phenomenon that God it had to be to, to show specifically yeah. where the the child was. Well, it had to be a conjunction at first, or the, or the wise men would have never paid any attention. They'd have thought, "Well, this is just a comet or something going to the sky." So it had to be something they understood. And then when it got to over Bethlehem, they rejoiced because it showed up again, and maybe they were excited because 
that wasn't what was going to probably happen. They probably had taken so long to get there, they lost track of it, so they just went to Jerusalem because they thought, well, that's probably where a king would be. And mm-hmm. so they kind of checked that out. They were kind of like poking in the dark themselves just, at that point. Just to go back here, I think, you know, where we get the two years, uh, I think it's just when uh, Herod, uh, Matthew 2, 7, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Mm-hmm. So that and I, and I, that's probably where we get the uh, idea the of two, two years. years mm-hmm. The idea of two years. But it could be, as you said, he just uh, wanted to make sure he, he got them. Right, and I think it's a little bit of both, because then, of course, it says um, we have the very tense moments. This drama gets really intense because we have Jesus, Mary, and Joseph hanging out in Jerusalem, no idea that they're in harm's way at all. Um, So the Messiah, the the Magi, the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced, verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they, had, that, that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So they took their big entourage. You'd think that it would have been amazing to, uh, maybe they had the caravan split up so everybody I went a know, different direction they, so Herod's they, soldiers they, couldn't they got see out, them because they, they would be pretty obvious. Now, when trail. they had departed, I mean, this because probably within hours, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Because I'm sure Joseph and Mary were still like shocked, uh, maybe delighted, pleased, but shocked. Um, so, oh, wow, this is getting interesting. Now we have another set of visitors. Um, so they were pondering these things, and, and Joseph laid, laid down, and Joseph took a nap and had a dream. Arise, take the young child, the young child. So he's, he is a couple months old by now and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, or Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So, obviously, you know, it's easier to go forward, flee in the night with a young child than it is with a um, tiny baby, I would imagine, because the baby would be a little more fragile. So when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And I'm sure he didn't say anything to anybody. I'm I'm sure he paid the house rent and took off. And there was an, and was there until Herod, um, the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I have called my son. See, there's the fulfilling of that part of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Then it gets tense, because Joseph doesn't know anything about what's going on with Herod in Herod's house. or He might have, the angel might have given him a few details, but he just said, get up and go. And he didn't say, well, I can't go now, I'm sleeping, you know, it's too inconvenient, wait till morning. No. When God says something to you like that, do what he says right away. Don't try to make an excuse or rationalize or reason it away. God is not a God of convenience. He he doesn't base his plan on our convenience. Well, but he he had to have night. Night Mm -hmm. was the only way this could happen. um, But Joseph went, even though there was threat of thieves and robbers along the way. He had to know that God was in this. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? He if he had had a gun, he'd have probably went out and shot everybody, but he had to hold his cool because he had to keep his army together because he had a job for them to do. And he sent forth, he called the army, the soldiers, and put to death the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the dist- its districts from two years old and under, according to the time that he had determined 
from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by, by Jeremiah the prophet. The voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. Of course, Rachel, uh, the mother of Joseph, the great um, one in next line to Pharaoh, she had been buried in Bethlehem. That, that was along the journey. She had been uh, died in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin, and that's where they buried her. Let me let me just Jacob t- buried her. Tell you a little bit about Herod, this uh, yeah. Herod the Great. They were a line of Edomite kings who, under Rome, got control of Judea shortly before Christ came. So they were put in position by bribery. Yeah, right. He got his throne and kept it. He got his throne and he kept it by crimes of unspeakable brutality. Killing, he, murder. he murdered his wife, his two sons. Mm-hmm. He was cruel, cunning, cold-blooded. He's the guy demonized. And and, it, and you know, like father, like son, uh, his son Herod Antipas, some thirty-three years later, killed John the Baptist and mocked Christ. His grandson Herod Agrippa the first, fourteen years still later, killed James the Apostle. His great-grandson Herod Agrippa II, sixteen years still later, was the king before whom Paul was tried. Oh, so these Herods, they were. They were, they and were, yet, isn't that amazing, the mercy of God, that in this, what, the third or fourth generation, King Agrippa, um, that God gave him a chance through Paul to accept Jesus Christ. And wasn't he almost persuaded? Isn't that how that kind of goes? Mm-hmm. Almost um, persuades me to be a Christian. So God change. extends his love and mercy from generation to generation. But wasn't the first here the one who killed the babies, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't ultimately shortly thereafter... He got boastful and proud and arrogant and wanted some worship or something like he was some sort of god or something. He gave God the, did not and give God the glory. He was eaten of worms. Eaten of worms. So he got some cancerous, horrible infestation uh, yeah, in it, his body. It, it could be Herod Agrippa the first. I'm not sure. It was. I think it was a different Herod. Oh, because well, he didn't give God the glory. Yeah, this was this was later. Uh, one, oh. it's one of those. Well, I think it'd be boys. so fitting for, but one you see, the boys. blood that was on them, the blood guilt that was on that race, that generational bloodline, mm-hmm. the blood of the sacred people, the holy people that they'd killed, and all of those innocent children, um, you know, uh, when Moses came forward as a deliverer, there was many innocent young boys also that were killed, and he survived that massacre. And so we see the devil is obviously out there trying to stop, snuff out, you know, wherever he can. He started with uh, messing with, you know, the genetics, and he ended up trying to kill viable baby boys, thinking that one of them was the Christ. So he stops at nothing. And yet, even though Satan is attempted in every way, in every diabolical, fiendish way, including uh, putting, operating his programs and his systems of hatred and violence and murder within our own souls sometimes, he has stopped at nothing to stop God. And yet he's not been able to stop God. So you who are on God's side, be encouraged. It doesn't matter out there, guys, what it looks like. It doesn't matter what you feel like. What matters is the truth. And the truth is what Jesus says, the word says. It's it's true according to what we know. You know stuff in your spirit that if you take time to be quiet and listen to your spirit instead of giving all kinds of entertaining discussions and debates to the devil to put that that argument up in your soul to create that resistance to truth and peace and hope. If you stop giving the devil airtime in your heart, you know, P 
peace, goodwill will come to you from God because God is good. God is great. God is merciful. God is kind. God is not here looking for a way to, um, to throw a fit and get his way. God sees the fits that have been thrown to destroy us, and God will judge. Someday he will judge this whole mess. And in the meantime... In the, yeah, in the meantime... In the meantime, what's going on is there is uh, uh, God is fulfilling his word. In the midst of all this evil, he is fulfilling his word. For example, with the flight into Egypt, as it's called, yeah. Joseph yeah. and Mary taking Safety. the child of Jesus. Uh, Hosea 11.1 1 says, out of Egypt I have called my son. So he oh. went there to fulfill his word. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, out of Egypt, you know, God uh, allowed Joseph... Not mm-hmm. the husband of Mary, but the Joseph. The Two Josephs in Egypt. He, Interesting. he came into Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, and then he as a used, deliverer. And then his family came to Egypt, mm-hmm. and then they were delivered out of Egypt. Uh, and, 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 and then, then another and then Joseph. The Exodus, and then another Joseph, Joseph goes into Egypt to fulfill the word of God, and he comes out of Egypt to fulfill the word of God. So what we see is is God is. Fulfilling his word, even in the midst of the evil yeah. scheming of, of uh, ungodly people. And say, he well, un, un, is you know, fulfilling his word. And, and for those that are listening. Ungodly people, people who are absolutely taken over by Satan, absolutely controlled by his fiendish, evil, vile hatred for God. Mm-hmm. So God is fulfilling his word um, for yeah. you that are listening, even in the midst of difficulty and pressures that you're facing. God's word is true. Mm-hmm. He is fulfilling his word in the midst of all the trouble and all the so take that you might be facing. Mm-hmm. Right, so take heart. Mm-hmm. God is fulfilling his word, and it was. It's not. It's not necessarily going to be an easy, easy time. It wasn't for easy for yeah. Joseph and Mary and and these these but, these people. You know where the first the first Christian martyrs mm-hmm. were these babies in Bethlehem. That's right. They were the first martyrs, and mm-hmm. there was mourning and Weeping. wailing. Uh, among the um, the people, that, and that was prophesied. And, and Jesus said, "I've come to bring not peace, but a sword." God, the Father, gave us peace, peace, goodwill. But that peace brought into the midst of this horrible, suffering, uh, conflicted world brought also a sword. Jesus said, "He's come to you know that sword would, would separate a mother from a, fa- uh, a daughter and a daughter-in-law from a mother-in-law and father and son." And we see that sword of of horror uh, continuing to to bloody. And, and divide our fa- our families even to this very day. So ask God to give each of you and your loved ones that peace from the Father that passes understanding, that goes beyond. He says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So uh, the best gift you can give yourself this Christmas, which is in a couple of days now, is to simply be quiet and receive the forgiveness of God. Forgive yourself. Turn the crimes committed against you, the, the crimes you committed against others, against God, against yourself, turn those crimes over to God and ask God to judge them. Stop trying to judge yourself. Receive forgiveness. Stop trying being uh, uh, held captive under the counsel of bitterness, unforgiveness, hopelessness, despair. I'm too bad. I can never get forgiven. That's all a lie. You can get forgiven because God is a God of peace and goodwill. And what you do is you turn the crimes. You stop judging yourself. Forgiveness means I release myself from the judgments. I've made against myself and I turn the, the, myself and the crimes I've committed over to the high court of heaven to the mercy of God and ask him to judge me because he knows my heart and he knows what the devil's been doing in my life more than I do 
And so I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for believing all these lies and acting on them, which, of course, caused all this sin. That you receive forgiveness. So there's so many people that may be in jeopardy, I mean are in jeopardy of going to hell because they cannot receive forgiveness for something they have done that they feel is too bad for God to ever forgive them. They've committed an unpardonable sin. There is no sin that God cannot forgive except one, and that's the one you cannot ask for forgiveness for. So humble yourself. Be a, don't be under the counsel of fear and pride. Oh, I can't admit I'm wrong because you got tricked. You got tricked by a devil. You believed a lie. You were deceived. That's what temptation is, getting tricked when you, when you uh, come into agreement with it. And so ask the Lord to forgive you. He is here. Look at what he's had to come. God himself, when he looked on the world and brought Jesus, we have the whole Old Testament that God had to basically deal with, swallow, uh, reconcile with himself, you know, to, to send his son. He could have at any point in that 4,000 years said, you know what, forget this. This is not worth my time and effort. It's too way too painful. I've given assignments to these guys and they dropped the ball, every one of them, blah, blah, blah. I'm done with this. I'm just, I'm out of here. I'm going to be God. Let the world blow up. Who cares? He did not, he overcame his own, you know, pain, you would say, and sadness and maybe even regret, as he had mentioned with with Noah, regret and even making us. He overcame all that to continue to keep his word. So we see God honors his word above his name. Call on him. Ask him to forgive you, and you can have a Merry Christmas and a happy life. That's right, and I don't mean to for this to sound flowery, but it's really the truth that if we would join with the angel, the multitude of heavenly hosts, as we as we uh-huh. read in, in Luke two thirteen, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This really needs to be the song of your heart, the theme of your life, where you're here. It can be an give. instant. It doesn't. It's not like working your way back into goodness. It's like deliverance. It's like an instant revelation that can set you free within a split second. And, and you can be, you can be singing. You know, have it in your heart. Glory to God in mm-hmm. the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Mm-hmm. Peace. Because you have peace in your heart in the midst of a turbulent world because of the good will of God toward you. Receive in, it. In, in giving Jesus his son. Mm-hmm. So receive Jesus. Mm-hmm. Receive his peace. This is peace, the best gift you'll ever have. Receive the this goodwill, is... the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And in that, in receiving that, you, have everything. you will bring glory to him. Well, not only that, but salvation is the gift of God. And given freely, his grace is freely given. It is the, it is the gift of Christmas, the gift of Christ, uh, the one who came to set us free. So, Lord God, we thank you again for this great gift, this generosity, this overwhelming uh, spirit of peace and goodwill that you overcame so much of your own pain and affliction um, watching us suffer to continue to keep your word. So bless us this day, this week, and may you restore families in this very critical uh, and a wonderful time of the year. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.